Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well, all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so happy that you're joining me today for a conversation with my new friend, Christy Haley Stover. And Christy is the founder and CEO of Platinum Resource Group, which is a premier women-owned professional services firm that specializes in providing all levels of expertise in technology, human resources, accounting, finance, and more. Christy also runs an executive boot camp for executives in transition between careers. After a professional career in information technology, accounting, finance, and business operations with a bunch of different large companies, Christy is now doing the work she loves and is excited to talk about it. And I'm excited to have her on today. Christy, thanks so much for joining me on the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. Thanks for inviting me, Andy. You're welcome. I'm excited to dig in and learn about how you've built this business, especially after being in the corporate world for a long time. And of course, I want to start by mentioning that we connected through our mutual friend, Jim Gellis, who is a uh, fantastic guy, finance executive there in the, uh, the Bay Area where you are. And he went through one of your boot camps and had some fantastic things to say about it. So I'm interested to, to learn more about that. Okay. <laughs> so Christy, for, for people that don't know you, I thought it'd be good to start with a little bit of background. Maybe you can share a little bit of your origin story and how you got to where you are today. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I've always thought that, you know, having an open mind and an open heart kind of leads you down different paths and you never know where it's going to take you. But if you're open to it, it, it just kind of takes you by surprise and can be really fun. So I never really had a prescription or a, a plan for what I wanted to do. I just knew that, you know, especially after I got out of grad school, that, you know, I wanted to do some awesome things and work for some awesome companies. And so that's what I did. And then, then when I was at the last big company that I worked for, I just said, gosh, you know, there's gotta be something more. So I decided to be an entrepreneur, but I had absolutely no idea what that, what that meant and what that looked like. It was like, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur, but you know, do I want to start a gardening supply company? Cause I was really into gardening or do I want to leverage kind of, you know, a lot of stuff that I learned? So I figured, hey, I've been in all these different big companies and, you know, I knew I could walk into any company and understand what they're going through and what might help them, but certainly be able to put myself in their shoes. And so I thought, oh, okay, I'll start a consulting company. And, and someone suggested that I work for a company that does what I want to do and as a way to get started. So I did that for a couple of years. and. I realized that, yeah, you know, I love it. It's great being able to add value. And I didn't grow up as a salesperson and suddenly I'm in a sales capacity. But I figured, you know, if I sell what I know and sell what I love, I can be a salesperson. And so then after, you know, realizing that I'm selling people at a higher price point than I would buy as a client, I just figured, you know what, I need to stick with my values and believe that keeping overhead low and being more affordable is something that was important to me. So I launched my own company right before the economy fell apart. Yeah, nice timing, right. (laughs) I 
<laughs> I want to go back uh, because you said you'd spent a number of years working for some large companies and then you decided you wanted to become an entrepreneur. You wanted to run a business. Where did that decision come from? Was there something that drove that? Because a lot of people, I think, you know, get used to the security of the paycheck, relying on that and, and want to just do that until they, quote, retire and then they go off into the sunset or whatever it is. And you decided, no, I want to go run a business and actually took action on that. So what was it that drove you to do that? Well, you know, for whatever reason, I still can't to this day figure it out how I became wired this way. But I always thought in every job that I had that I needed to earn my way. I needed to pay for myself. And, and as I became a leader, it was like, okay, I got to pay for myself and I have to pay for my team. We have to do either I was never in a revenue generating role. It was always back office overhead roles. And, you know, but it was like whatever I could do to find optimization and to cut costs and to do things with greater productivity. And so that was always at the forefront of my mind. And as I became responsible for larger and larger teams, that felt like what I needed to continue to do because it didn't make sense that a company would pay me what they were paying and keep my team if we weren't really adding significant value. Well, being wired that way and having that kind of orientation, I was working 120 hours a week sometimes. So as you can imagine, being yourself, being a father of a couple of kids, yeah. there's not a whole lot of time for parenting and self-care and no. all of that. And so I reached a breaking point and I just said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And it wasn't, I can't do this anymore. It was, there's got to be another life. So that's what really drove me. It was at the low end, I was working 80 hours a week, but I was clocking in, you know, well over a hundred hours a week during significant initiatives that I was leading. And yeah. it got to a point that, you know, it was like, wow, there is something more to this. And I am on this hamster wheel and climbing this ladder and I have absolutely no idea where it goes. And yeah. I don't know that I care anymore. Yeah. It is amazing that so many people will work that hard for someone else and not really know where it's going either. I mean, some people yeah. are very, we know, especially if you come from the professional services world, you know, partners out there at, at big companies in the big four or something like that. I mean, there are people that are driven and know where they're going and the money they can make or where they're trying to get to in their career. But a lot of people don't even really know where they're going. They're just working tons of hours, which takes them away from family, friends, other things they could be doing. And uh, it's sad when you really think about it. I mean, I don't work that much and I'm running my own business and I love it. But I want to be able to balance spending time with my family and doing other things that I want to do. So, and that's, that's part of the reason why I made the move to running my own business. So it sounds like a lot of the motivation for you was to be able to run things how you wanted to run them. Well, and I realized that what I was doing wasn't healthy. I really compared it to a drug addict. And because that's what it felt to me. Like mm -hmm. it was like the adrenaline rush to do some of the big, big things that I did. It was so great that it was addicting. And, you know, I'd get finished with one initiative and I'd have a, maybe I'd, I'd work four days that week, but, you know, still 10 or 15 hours that day. Then it was like, okay, the next thing. 
But it was really, truly, I felt it was an addiction. It was like, I loved learning and I did really complex things. And it was like, everything was a challenge. And then I finally realized, well, after my husband told me that, Christy, there's something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I keep on saying that this is going to be the last time. This is going to be the last time. But it wasn't. And that's when finally I had to say, you know what? This isn't healthy. And what I'm doing isn't, isn't leading me to that kind of total career satisfaction. Yeah. And I've got to jump off. Yeah. You did sound kind of like an addict, right? This is going to be the last oh, time. Oh, totally. Swear, right? and then- yeah. It, it's like I, after this initiative, that's it. And then I'll have a normal work life. But then they'd have another big initiative. And it was like, oh, wow. Hey, that sounds pretty cool. And it was always like groundbreaking stuff. And you know, I work for an iconic company. And you know, it's like you get really excited mm. about doing these things for world-renowned company. And you're just like, wow, I get to be a part of this. Imagine. But it wasn't healthy. Yeah, it's still not your stuff and it's not healthy how much you're working. But the cool thing about going into professional services and consulting like we both have is you still get to be a part of some of those things, right? Yes. You're, you're doing it on your own terms. So, and vicariously. Right. Yeah, vicariously. Right. You don't have to actually do the work. You just put people in there to do the right work. How were you set up financially when you made that move? Had you saved up a bunch of money? Because a lot of people might say, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go start my own business. But then if they don't have any money in the bank, they can't afford to, to cut off the paycheck. Well, you know, I hadn't saved. We never were extravagant spenders because it was all about the kids and all about the house. And the economy was super, super good. And so the equity in the house was phenomenal. You know, it's like you have all this money in the house and you just say, okay, I want to start a business. Let me take some money out of it and let me calculate what it's going to take and be really thoughtful about the runway so that's what I did. And my husband and I planned it and we thought about it. And he was probably more of an encourager than I was. I was like, you know, I don't want to do this, but I'm not so sure. And he was the one that was saying, Christy, you'll never know unless you try. So we took out a loan on the house and socked it away. And for the amount of runway that we thought we'd have, and, you know, we had calculated how much it would be to start the business and and all of that. And so I think we were really planful and thoughtful about that. But that was when the economy was super, super good. And little did we know that that wouldn't last for very long. Yeah. How did you make it through? I would imagine a lot of people that started businesses right before the economy collapsed had to end up going back to work or dig into the well or something. How did you decide, land on the the consulting business that you started, which is maybe just you could explain a little bit about what you're doing and how you landed on doing that. So when I wanted to leave, a former colleague said, you know, before you leave and do start this consulting thing, why don't you work for a company that does what you want to do and see how it's run. And, and so I was going to be a consultant for a company and, and they said, now let's pull you into the sales side. And so it's like, well, I'm not really a salesperson, but I do know business. And, And what I found was that, you know, I was really good at it. And then it was like, well, I want to do this on my own and on my terms and not have shareholders to appease. So that's what I did. And and so I ended up selling myself as a project manager 
to integrate a loan servicing company into a mortgage company that had just acquired them. And somebody that I previously worked with said, Christy, this integration isn't going very well. I could really use you. And I said, well, just by chance, I'm starting my own company. Can I come on as uh, under that company? And she said, absolutely. Let's get you on board. I need your help with this integration. We'll do whatever we can. And as we know, the mortgage industry fell like a house of cards. And so I had sold myself as a project manager, was there four months. It's like, oh, great. And there was all these other ways that I could bring on consultants. And then someone stopped by my desk and said, you know, we have this little bitty problem and we're sure we're going to work it out. But in the meantime, we may not be able to pay you. So we're going to put the project on hold. But don't go very far because uh, you know we want you to come back and finish it up once we just work out a couple of the challenges. And we know that that didn't happen. Then it was like, oh my gosh, it was one of those moments that just say, I just leveraged my family's financial well-being. And what the heck am I going to do? And that was just a complete, complete scary moment. And, you know, one of those, I have no idea why I did what I did. But then you went out there and started building it, right? So how did you go out and find the next few clients and, and start building the business? Well, you know, I fortunately, I was brought up with two amazing grandmothers and my parents. It was all about doing the right thing and doing to others and just knowing that you have to have the faith, hope, and trust that's going to come right back to you. And so I heard these, my grandmothers who are no longer with us, speaking in my ear, it's like, Christy, just go out and help people and see what happens. And, you know, at the time, it was really scary. There were people who were losing their jobs and unemployed that had never been unemployed before. And, you know, a lot of these executives, especially, were, you know, it's like they're over 50 and thinking that they were never going to work again. And, and they were certainly not prepared to retire at that point, you know, because remember the economy was so good. Everyone was right, riding high and everyone was very, very confident. And the real estate market was great and people were buying bigger and bigger houses. And, and then all of a sudden, wham, <laughs> it was crazy. So and what I knew was that there were jobs, that there were opportunities, and that the economy was going to come back. None of us knew when. But I figured, you know, if, if I could just help people, give them ideas, they were going to eventually land a new job. And they knew people who were still in decision-making capacities that could hire me. And many of my competitors were falling by the wayside. But I knew that that there was still business to be found. I just had to be really, really creative about uh, doing it. And the, the only way I knew was if I'm kind to somebody, if I add value to them, then I have a much better chance of having them refer me or think about me once they get in, in a new CFO or CIO role. So that's what I did. So you actually started with the boot camps then? Well, what I was doing is meeting people and understanding, you know, trying to connect them with other people, looking at their resume and saying, you know, hey, you might want to think about this. People don't generally write 
great resumes. And so because I, you know, reviewed lots of resumes and I'd presented lots of candidates. So you were essentially, clients, you, were, you were meeting a lot of executives and giving them free coaching on here. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and just little ideas. And yeah. but, but what I found what was most valuable is the moral support and, you know, just encouraging and having them, people don't network very well and mm-hmm. helping them to, get connected and find ways to help people so that they could network more effectively and make sure that I'm connecting the right people for a reason, not just randomly. And then passing along job leads to people and telling them about networking events that that they might want to attend. But again, just really helping them see that there was hope and it was working drip, 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 drip. I was getting, you know, opportunities that were enough to keep the lights on. Right. You know, certainly not anything that was going to sustain me, but just keeping the lights on. And then I met an executive coach who had just started her coaching practice after leaving uh, a public accounting firm as a partner. And she was 22 years there. And in Southern California, it was becoming like a go-to person. It's like, Mm. you know, people from LA all the way down to San Diego. It's like, hey, you are looking for a job you need to know Christy. And so it was wild. It was like the word was spreading and I'd help people. I had eight coffee meetings a day and and I was introducing people. I'd started my day from six o'clock in the morning and ended it at midnight, introducing people via email and giving them little ideas for their resume. And, um, and then this executive coach had said, hey, I've heard a lot about you. What the heck are you doing and why? And is it sustainable? And I said, oh my gosh, no, I'm exhausted. <laughs> but I'm getting business from it and it's allowing me to keep the lights on. And so she said, you know, what would you like to do? And I said, I just want to bring people together. And I, I think that people can help each other by bringing them together. And I said, but I have no idea what we talk about. I had no, I have no idea how we structure it. I don't even know if people would like it, but I do think that bringing people together to help them help each other is something that we want to do. And so, you know, she had this content and, you know, we put it together as kind of a an experiment. And I thought, okay, six months, we're that's as long as it'll last. And it's been going on for 10 years. Wow. 10 years that you've been running the boot camp. Yep. And three and a half years ago, I decided to experiment with expanding my business since the economy is doing better. Because what I found was truly by paying it forward and helping people, they thought of me when they landed a job or, you know, right. had Uh, somebody that knew somebody. And so I knew that the whole pay it forward approach worked and, but it worked in SoCal, but in Northern California was the same. So I jumped up here and said, and I have nothing to lose. I might as well see if it would work. And if it works, then great. And so I had to beg 10 people to be part of the first boot camp up in Northern California. And it was interesting because, you know, I begged them because they were so skeptical. It was like, mm. what is this? Why? You know, yeah. <laughs> could this be real? That's how a lot of people then, start out, right? They're like practically begging people to come and then you, do, yeah. you provide excellent value. And then later on, people are paying for the opportunity. Right. right. Yeah. And so we don't charge anything for our boot camps. And now we, you know, we're doing it every month. We were doing it like once a quarter up in San Francisco. We do it every month down in SoCal. And, you know, now we're doing it every month in, in Northern California, the Bay Area. And we fill up every month. And that's how I build my business. I don't cold call. I don't, 
spend a ton of money on marketing. I have these boot camps and then these people land in companies and then they may become a client. And that's how I build my business. Wow. So the, the boot camps are still free and the whole yep. idea is and they, they're a vehicle for you to connect with people, help them. And so when they land, they think of you and bring you back in as a consultant or someone who yep. bring them right. what they need. That's right. Excellent. I love that model. It's fun. It's really fun. And, you know, I mean, this economy is all about relationships. It is not about your differentiator, really. It Not in this industry. It's, you know, because we're, we're really interim consulting and staffing. And it's all about relationships. And, yep. you know, if you're going to do it volume and very low margin, well, you're doing it with different companies. But yep. what we do is all based on relationships. What do you do? Speaking of relationships, um, what do you do to keep in touch with people? Do you put a certain amount of time into that? Because I know that you might know a lot of people, you may have helped a lot of people, but they get busy with other stuff and fade. And then as you be, but if you find a way to become more top of mind, they might be more likely to bring you in and hire them. So do you have any sort of regular cadence where you spend time checking in or following up with people? Or is it really just about putting them into your network and then them thinking of you later when they... No, uh, continuing to reach out to people and that I do on a slightly more targeted, in a more targeted way. So for example, you know, it's easy. A CFO lands at a company and it's like, you know, in the finance space, absolutely. We do a lot of work there. And then it's like, hey, what's going on? What are your initiatives? And staying in contact with them that way. And but some of the other people are not as obvious, but you know, certainly don't want to push them by the wayside because what we've built is really a community. So we have periodic, we call them reunions and host you know, them, bring them together so that they can meet each other because every month there's a, a new group. So you know, have them meet each other and to foster the community and build the relationships. So just periodically do it. I, one thing that I know that would be helpful is to do something, you know, the whole newsletter thing is kind of old and impersonal. So I like doing things that are more, I don't know, engaging. And so like I'll tweet out to everyone that I know in, in this interview and make sure that they know about you and can hear, listen to the podcast but occasionally I'll send out little emails because again, I don't want to do something that's canned and yeah, everything's more personal, personal and targeted, right? Right. Right. I love that. And I think that I see that trending now, you know, everyone sends out these mass newsletters that we all get and they go to our spam folder or we ignore them, sometimes read some of them. But I've seen some people be very successful with just using that targeted outreach method, spending a certain amount of time every day, reaching out to people, checking in. I love that you you host the alumni gatherings. You get people back together and it kind of reminds them the value of that, which is cool. Shifting gears on that, because you have a lot of things that are working well. What's one of the biggest mistakes you made while you were building this? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hiring the wrong people. Because while the business is not just about me, in order to scale it, I've got to bring on board people that have the same ability and desire to develop relationships. So I think it's been really challenging to find the right salespeople and continue to foster the community. And that's something that's making sure that we have the right personality, the right motivations, and people truly understand that 
we're not going to get business just because what we've done. We, we're going to get business because we're continuing to add value and continuing to foster. I call it touch people's heart. And because once you touch someone's heart, then you have them. But, you know, in traditional sales, that's not the way that a lot of salespeople work. And, you know, while they might intellectually say, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's easy. But it's actually following through with that. So that's been a challenge. But learning from it, I do think having more capital would be beneficial, would have been very beneficial is is to start off with even more money, especially when I moved up to San Francisco, it it was undercapitalized. And next time I go to another market would certainly change that approach. So it's not bootstrap yet another location and hard enough doing one, but then you do two and you just go, gosh, you know, there's got to be a better way and, and you have to have more money to do it. Yeah. And when you talk about capital and you talked about salespeople, so you're hiring salespeople to go out and find new clients, new accounts. Well, we're hiring salespeople to go out and nurture the relationships with Bootcamp so that they can get business that way because that is our feeder for business leads. And it's all people from the Bootcamp. And those are the people that are referring us to others. And you know, we talk to them and say, you know, how are you doing? And if they're not a capacity to use us right now, that's totally fine. And we ask them, you know, because they're always asking how they can help us. And then asking them, well, who do you think I should know? Who in your network would you be willing to introduce me to? So you need to have people who are are good at building rapport, building relationships, doing the networking stuff that you're talking about, keeping in touch with yep. people, asking for the, those referrals, asking those questions. And then when you do bring them as clients, your main business is you are supplying them with help in different areas like technology, accounting, finance, stuff like that, right? Temp help. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. Yep. Do you have a network on that side of people that you bring in or is that... Uh... Oh, the consultants? Yeah. Well, we're doing work with clients at a more senior level. The, the people that have attended boot camp, we call them boot campers. Those people are great candidates for us. But most of our work is not at that level. Hmm. And many of them know people. So our first line is to reach out to our boot campers and, and say, hey, we're looking for senior financial analyst that knows this whatever technology and has done this type of work. Do you know somebody? And then, you know, we'll do the job board searches. But what's interesting is when the candidates that we interview, when they learn about us and what we do, they become excited about working with us. So Mm -hmm. they'll even pick us over one of our competitors, even for the same opportunity, because they feel like, you know, hey, we're a company that they want to get behind and that they want to be associated with. And that is so validating. And no, it's a heartwarming too. Yeah. It just speaks to the idea that you provide a great experience for people who work for you, for clients you work with, and they're, they're going to keep coming back and, and wanting to work with you. This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415-925-925. Six eight three two, and now back to the show. 
Christy, we have to start wrapping up soon. One last question for you, because you made this big shift from corporate life to becoming an entrepreneur. And a lot of people listening might be thinking about doing the same thing. Which one piece of advice that you give to someone who is thinking about leaving the, the nine to five per se to start their own business? Be prepared for a lot of fear and plan for the worst, hope for the best. And just make sure you have a way to counter those gremlins that are going to come up because you are faced with fear. You know, it's only recently that I haven't felt like I'm on the edge of a cliff ready to plummet to my death. And, you know, and there are still days like that, but, but that's, I've been doing this now for 10 and a half years and for about nine and three quarters years, <laughs> I am on the edge of a cliff ready to, to plummet to my death. And you have to be prepared for that. Well, you know, I've learned this and love this, that I've learned that courage is not the absence of fear. Fear will always be there. Courage is being willing to look at that fear and say, okay, I'm going to go take a chance and do this anyway. Because this Yeah. Right. And so, that's a great way to look at it, Andy, because that's exactly, courage is not an absence of fear. The right. fear is there. Yeah. It's always going to be there, but uh, courage is just standing up to that fear and, and taking action. And you did. And I really admire what you did. And, uh, Appreciate all that you've accomplished so far and wish you the best of luck in the future. Christy, for anybody who is interested in getting in touch with you, maybe finding out about the boot camps or more about your business, where do they go? How do they get in touch? Our website is PRG West, PRG Platinum Resource Group West.com and or Platinum Resource Group.com. Find me on LinkedIn, Christy Haley Stover, and happy to answer any questions or be a resource to anybody. That's really how I get business is, is by serving others in whatever way I can. And that leads me to business. So I, I don't turn anyone away. I love that. Christy, thank you so much for coming on the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. This has been great. Thanks, Andy, so much for the opportunity and thanks for what you're doing. Uh, you great. got it. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. You can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website, andystorch.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you are looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at andystorch.com. Take care.